Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What's going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast. That's the show. That's my name. Welcome back into a fun, fun podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking lots of football. NFL kickoff uh, just around the corner here. We had Labor Day weekend with college football. Caught a lot of those games. And it got me thinking about a guy that used to be in the college ranks. Really could not stop thinking about him all weekend. And we will tie in some college football, but really the man that used to be in college football and Urban Meyer, uh, I, I got a lot to say about him and some news that came out with his Jacksonville program uh, last week. We're going to touch on Mizzou and Central Michigan. I'm not understanding uh, why there's so much optimism around Mizzou because I, I see a lot of the same things. I'm going to hit on that and why uh, you know they got a lot to prove to me before I get excited like a lot of other folks. And then we'll also obviously talk about just really the playoff predictions or the playoff spots that are up for grabs starting this Thursday. I'm going to tell you my predictions, NFC as well as AFC. I got a few sleepers out there, um, both conferences that will hit on there. And then I'll talk about the Thursday game itself, Bucks Cowboys, why I think it's not going to be close. It's episode 52. It's the football marathon. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 52 of the podcast. Welcome back to everyone that is tuning back into the podcast here. It is September the 7th. It is a Tuesday. We're coming off Labor Day football, uh, college football. Big real estate advantage that the college ranks really implemented just a few years ago. They realized that the NFL doesn't, play on the first week of September. Kind of a, a head scratcher, really, especially now that they're going to 17 weeks, I think that, or 17 games, 18 weeks, the NFL. I think that's going to switch. Maybe they're going to push up the season so it doesn't carry into January. Um, but there's kind of been this, you know, wink, nod, gentleman's agreement with college that that's now their territory. But we just went through um, the Labor Day weekend. And that's where the college ranks are front and center. And, you know, it got me thinking a guy who is no longer in the college ranks on the NFL side of things, Urban Meyer, I didn't like it from the jump. And you may say, well, easy to say in hindsight. No, I was saying this from the beginning. A guy who dominates in college, who 
kind of has left dirty laundry everywhere he's been. Now he's won a lot, but he's left a lot of dirty laundry, and then he tries to go to the pros, and he's never even had a day in the pros, and he tries to coach an NFL team. And it's just been bad from the get-go with Urban Meyer. Uh, You know, the first thing was the free agency comments. He said he hated it. After three days, the first day is always a big day for those with the big cap numbers, Jacksonville being among them. He said he didn't like that he couldn't bring guys in and he didn't get to meet them and get a personal touch and see if it's a fit or not. And that I had the whole thing red flagged after that. Really, the signing I had red flagged, but I also got it. Shad Khan, Trevor Lawrence, he got to secure that he's going to come out. He had an extra year of eligibility or uh, not an extra year, but he you know could have gone back for senior year and said, screw it, I'm not playing for Jacksonville. So if you're Shad Khan and you know Trevor Lawrence wants to play for Urban Meyer, or that's the only way, I get the hire. But ultimately, I don't see it as a successful hire to actually win football games. And then the free agency comments happen. And then he drafts uh, the running back, Travis Etienne, and says he's going to play receiver. And then he signs Tim Tebow. And then he's fined for OTA violations because he doesn't know the rules. Then he cuts Tim Tebow. Then he loses preseason games, and he acts like he lost in Week 18. And then he cuts players and admits it's because of vaccination. Because the unvaccinated players are more of a liability. You can't count on them. And that's just fact, whether you like the vaccine or not. And it's something that every NFL program is doing. But you don't admit it. He came out afterwards and said it was a factor. And then the Jaguars had to put out some bullshit press release uh, via their Twitter account. Saying that, um, no, it was not the sole reason. But we all, you know, freaking know. Vaccination is part of the... uh, part of the uh, the procedure now on, on whether someone's going to stay on the team or not. Got the whole thing as a complete and utter disaster, and we haven't even made it to kickoff in week one. Urban Meyer, you know, I heard he's like blasting music over the loudspeaker and then telling guys to hydrate. It's like, really, man? You're telling guys that have been in the league for like 10 years? Hey, make sure you drink water. Like, man, this isn't like... You know, 2006, where you're at Florida, or even 2018, when you're at Ohio State, where you got, you know, Zeke in the backfield and uh, and JT Barrett. These guys are pros. They know that they need to hydrate. They know how to take care of themselves. It's pretty reminiscent of Chip Kelly, and he's back in college. I know, I know that was the thing with uh, Chip was like the smoothies and the recovery rooms and eat two meals a day at the Eagles facility. Bro, you don't tell 25-year-olds that have been in the league for four years, let alone 30-year-olds, that they need to hydrate. This whole thing has been awful. And again, I get that you need to hire him to secure the number one pick, Lawrence, at the time, because he is a generational talent. He's not just Joe Burrow, number one overall. He's not Kyler Murray overall. It's Trevor Lawrence. He was sensational as a true freshman when he was 18, going on 19 years old. First season in college football. So I get that you have to secure it. But if you think that this guy's actually going to help you win games, oh my gosh, come back to me in October. Come back to me in November when it's they're two in like nine. Urban Meyer, he's never even had a losing season in college football in what, 15, 17 years? The guy doesn't know how to lose. And 
heck, I'm not saying you want a coach that has losing experience, but this guy had no experience with pros, pro, pro coaching experience. And you think this is just going to translate immediately? Think again. This thing has been a disaster. Nothing short of it. I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Now, I'm not going to talk college football weekend, Labor Day weekend, without actually talking about the college games. It just got me thinking with Urban Meyer. You see all these big names on the on the sideline. Chip Kelly at Ogeron, out at the Rose Bowl. Um, you, I watched the Mizzou game where you got Jim McElwain, who's not coaching, but his team was playing Central Michigan, which that's what we're going to focus on now. And you had all the other names. Even uh, Lynn Kiffin made headwaves because he wasn't playing in the Ole Miss game. That kind of was a stinker on a Monday evening, actual Labor Day. Uh, but I j- just had to talk about Urban Meyer because I never got a chance to hit on him. And um, it's been nothing short of just a dumpster fire. Uh, but Mizzou and Central Michigan, um, watched that game, most of that game on Saturday. And I came away with a, a lot of the same feelings. And there's been good mojo around Mizzou, really since Drinkwitz um, was hired. And then they really were impressed. That's the media. That's the school. That's the fans. Big sweeping takeaways in the positive direction. Arrow up for Eli Drinkwitz, who I think we all can agree. He's definitely played well towards the media. And to recruits, he's funny, he's relatable. Um, you know, he obviously knows how to sell, which is a good thing with recruiting and selling your program, and that that's a big part of college football. But I don't understand why it's you know reached the levels that it has. And you know, you can really look at game one here against a, a Mac member, a little Maction here on week one for the. SEC Missouri Tigers and I looked at the skills positions uh, on offense for Mizzou pretty subpar I mean it it didn't look like they had speed on the outside against Central Michigan Uh, the running backs while talented I didn't see him bursting by or even uh, uh, you know lumbering by on the offensive line either in the run game really underwhelming there uh, obviously on defense, the rush defense was, was pretty bad as well, which, you know, in a week one game, I get there's adjustments. You got Steve Wilkes coming from the NFL. That's going to be a, a bit of an adjustment. I, I really didn't see anything to, um, you know, give credence to the level of optimism that there is. Mizzou historically has always been the team, whether it's in the Big 12, or now the SEC, they come in and clean up with three-star recruits, and then you coach the hell out of them. Gary Pinkle made a career out of it. He revived, I shouldn't even say revived, he made a Missouri Tiger program by doing just that. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough anymore in the SEC. There's nothing but three-star players on this team. Anytime you get a four-star or five-star, it makes head waves. And what, there's four or five? on Mizzou's, you know, 90-man or 100-man roster. Whereas, if you look at the uh, West Division in the SEC, the uh, the Texas A&Ms, the uh, Auburns, the Alabamas, the Georgias, it's a disappointment if you don't get 10 in your recruiting class. They give you an award at Mizzou if you get three or four. This is not going to lead to anything other than a 7-5 and five record for Mizzou. And, and again, there's there's optimism behind that. And for what reason? I've been hearing the same 
bullshit for six or seven years as if there's going to be a corner turned. You lost a legacy head coach in 2015. That was the point when you were going to turn a corner. Then you had to rebuild it. Then you had Barry Odom come in. And that guy was just, I mean, just negative energy. Kept kept making promises. Same old story after every doggone game. And this isn't even an indictment on Drinkwitz. I, I, I think he's done you know, a, a good job so far. I just don't think he's warranted anything necessarily to reach these levels. And, and I looked at this game on Saturday. I said, yep, slow on the outside. Yep, big in the middle on the offensive line. Don't really look all that athletic. Yep, look big at running back. Eh, they're not really bruising by anybody against a Mac team. Quarterback looks capable. Can, you know, spin it a little bit. Doesn't look to be anything special. And for whatever reason, in the SEC, this has the Tigers, whether, again, talk about fans, media, whatever, everybody's, like, really excited as if this is going to lead to something other than 7-5. and I I don't see it. I don't know what other people are seeing. This is just going to be another run-of-the-mill Missouri Tigers football program. Okay, we will kick it back to the big leagues. The National Football League after we uh, hit on Mizzou. Steve Wilkes' old league, which I will say with Steve Wilkes, uh, that was a good hire by Drinkwitz. So I will give him credit there. And if you want to point to optimism, I'll point to it that he, he got a good hire on the defensive side. I think that uh, that Aldridge guy, that linebacker, good piece that Wilkes is going to use. And I think he's going to see that that's potentially a staple of his defense. When you got a linebacker that uh, you know can do it all, it has the speed to cover, then it makes the rest of your defense fast. And it got a, got a couple of good safeties there that I think Mizzou could utilize. It, it's going to be a defensive-oriented team, I think. Just from that early early onset with that game, I definitely think there are some pieces there to, uh, you know, Wilkes can go back to his roots and, and dial up some pressure. But we will kick it over to the NFL, where I'm going to go down my playoff predictions. I'm going to start with the NFC. And then we'll kick it over to the AFC. I definitely think the NFC, just from a strength standpoint, um, a little bit more balanced, or excuse me, a little bit more top-heavy. And you, you kind of just have everybody else, whereas the AFC, uh, AFC it's going to be a little bit more tough to predict exactly what happens. I kind of ran through the NFC no problem when I was picking this out. AFC had to give a little thought to it. But we'll, we'll start off in the NFC North. Been a lot of noise out of Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Pretty much the only one talking. Everybody else has kind of shut the hell up and just wanted to play football. He's wanted to talk about uh, legacy and really doing more than what his position entails, which is snapping on the helmet, getting under center, calling for the snap, and throwing the pill. I don't think it's ultimately going to matter come November. Maybe they come out of the gate slow, ultimately too talented at quarterback, uh, offensive line, uh, skills position. They're strong enough in that area. And on defense, while again, may start off slow, um, they got to definitely, you know, they definitely have a better play caller than they had with Mike Pettin now on the other side of the ball. And I think they're going to come at first in the North, but it will be a close second to a wild card team. One of the wild cards, Minnesota, really like what they did with the draft. Really do. I think they fixed their defense. Mike Zimmer at the end of it said in 2020, that was the worst defense he ever had. Probably was. I looked at some of the numbers, pretty goddamn awful. Last in like three major categories. But I think 
with the draft, which they draft well, Rick Spielman, the general manager there, along with the veteran quarterbacks, uh, Patrick Peterson among them, that's going to be a really helpful side of the ball or really helpful uh, component with Kirk Cousins, which I was really critical last week when I said, you know, him being unvaccinated, that that's going to be a major red flag. I thought about it. Cousins stayed healthy last year. He didn't go on the virus list. So I, I thought about that a little bit harder. I go, you know, if he stayed healthy last year, why would he stay healthy this year? There's a vaccine out there. He's not going to take it, but the numbers are just going to increase that he, you know, would uh, test negative. And he said he believes in masks. He believes in social distancing. Maybe I should give a little more credit to him that he's not going to contract by doing everything that he can. I like Minnesota taking the wild card. Dallas, out of the East. Too much talent. Too much talent on offense. I do think that the cover three with uh, Dan Quinn and his defense gets a little bit of a bad rap. They need simplification. That's exactly what the cover three does. With Mike Nolan, they were doing way too much. You had guys playing out of position. um, That really caused just really, really putrid results on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to do less. That's going to be more. They're not going to really be a defense that even takes away the ball. Just get to average. Get to average. Your offense can close out games and, of course, score 30 points every single week. I like Dallas taking these almost by default as well, not because I think they're going to be the strongest team in the NFC, but their division is awful. Let's kick it to the south. Tampa Bay defending Super Bowl champions. They return all 22 starters. That counts for something when you got everybody back who was playing major roles last year. Now, their depth, obviously not great. They stayed healthy kind of abnormally. I do think there's going to be some injuries upon the offensive line. We'll see how good Jason Light is about having backup linemen. Tom Brady is great about maneuvering in the pocket, getting rid of the football fast, and really accounting for backup linemen if they have to play. So that's the case. They got the man under center to handle that. They will take first place in the South. Another surprise team of mine, along with Minnesota, Carolina Panthers. They are going to be a wild card team. I think they got better at the most important positions on the field. Cornerback, quarterback, offensive line, and defensive line. They are strong there. They got draft picks in the first two years with uh, Matt Rule along the defensive line. They took uh, cornerback J.C. Horn. Sam Darnold, I think, is going to be moving well on the run, throwing Joe Brady in that offense. Going to create some results. Robbie Ray or uh, Robbie Anderson. Maybe one of the most underrated receivers in the game. He's going to be uh, among the leaders in touchdowns, I think. Carolina will take another wild card. Out of the West, San Francisco. You know, there's a lot of flack with Jimmy G about not staying healthy. I think a couple of the injuries have been fluky. And when he does play, been pretty good. And I know Trey Lance has the strong arm, can throw the deep ball, and people get mesmerized with that. Jimmy can throw the deep ball. Jimmy took him to a Super Bowl. You get competent play out of the quarterback. I don't see why they can't win 12 games this year. They were just devastated by injuries last year. If you even have half of those, they make the playoffs. They were almost close to 10 wins last year. They had to trade up to get Trey Lance, and they obviously aren't high on Jimmy if they trade up and get him, but he didn't play all that bad. I think with just average health, even if they have some injuries, San Francisco has the ability to take first place. I think they do because Los Angeles, Matthew Stafford, the Rams, I believe in it. I think the playbook is going to be wide open with Sean McVay. He did a great job with Jared Goff of skinning it down and really playing true to his strengths and weaknesses. 
It worked for a while until Goff could not take it and elevate it even just a little bit further. The, the playbook was too skinny. They said, I'm not dealing with this anymore. They shipped him off to Detroit. Matthew Stafford comes in. I know on defense they got a new coordinator, but they still are strong in numbers on that side of the ball. I think they're the final wild card, and that will wrap up the NFC. All right, over to the AFC, where we're going to make the playoff predictions there, which I'm kind of looking outside. It's about 7.30 in the evening where I am, and you know fall's coming, and you know football's coming because – it's getting uh, a lot darker sooner, and you know I don't really like it. I'm more of a uh, you know summer light hours if if that's a thing. Uh, I like when it gets dark like at eight thirty at night. Um, it just gives you a little more life to the day. But it does mean football is around the corner in the AFC. I had a little bit more trouble picking this this conference just because uh, you know I'm expecting regression out of maybe some teams that that could go either way. But I got it figured out here. And one that I think is definitely a lock to win the North is the Cleveland Browns. Really like what they have done. Andrew Barry um, coming in, making strong moves. Also not afraid to not make moves, which namely is paying Baker Mayfield uh, top flight quarterback money. I I like that they're waiting. I really do. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. And I do not think you should shell out $35 million a year when Jimmy Garoppolo is likely going to be available after this year, and you can get him for a first-round pick or two first-round picks. I'd rather do that than pay 35 mil. But with Baker this year, I think with the offensive line, they've gotten really good there. Best one-two punch in running back and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And then, of course, the defense has gotten better, at least in theory, along the defensive line. I do think that's a position you can trade for in season and still uh, have immediate results. So if it's not to their liking, there will be a pass rusher out there that likely could be had for a premium pick, but it's going to be worth it because it will translate immediately. And I think, uh, you know, the 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 defensive cohesion there, it's going to lead to, uh, if not the best record in the AFC, I think that'll go to Kansas City. So that's a spoiler alert. They're going to be in the West. I think they have a chance to be one of the best records in the AFC uh, but I do not want to see Baker Mayfield get a high uh, high payday. Don't think it's worth it, but I do think Cleveland, Andrew Barry, uh, general manager there, Stefanski, done a great job. They're going to come out of the AFC North. New England Patriots back on top in the East. I think it's great. Named back Jones, quarterback. The passing game is going to be wide open. Otherwise, it would not have been with Cam Newton. And I do think you're going to see this year, Buffalo is very beatable. Buffalo is good at what they do, but they're very beatable. And I think with the defensive returners, with Bill Belichick, Dante Hightower, namely, and Kevin, Kevin uh, Kyle Van Noy back on his roster, who's going to play better there than he did with Miami, certainly better anywhere else in his career. Uh, Van Noy's always played the best ball in New England. I think it's really going to show you just how beatable Buffalo is. I have Buffalo as the wild card. I think they're going to play well. Do you think they're going to lose some games, though? I think they could go like 10-7, and 11-6, and six, and uh, make the wild card, but they're not going to be as good. I do think Josh Allen, I still see plays out there that are missed. I think he makes a lot of great plays, and I think he has improved. I do think he can you know, miss any play as well, as well as make all the throws, but I do think they're going to be good enough based off where the roster is, like uh, their their coach, like their gen- general manager, uh, 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 Bean, but... You know, they do take a step back. They do not win the East. That's going to go to New England. Uh, Out of the South, 
you know, I, I don't like where they're at right now. A lot of injuries. Um, don't know how well Carson Wentz is going to play, but I, I just don't see any other team winning. It's going to be Indianapolis. I think they got a good, solid foundation. They don't have to do much to win, and they don't have to be too good too early. It's a 17-game schedule. Ease it along. If Wentz isn't feeling right come week one, don't play him. If he doesn't feel right week two, don't play him. This division is there for the taking. I think Houston's going to be better than what people think. They're good in both areas, but they're not going to win the win the South. Nobody's winning the South other than Indianapolis. There's no guarantees in the NFL. I know that. But really, Indianapolis is clearly the strong favorite over a 17-game schedule. They'll take the South in the AFC. Now, if you're doing the math here, I've talked about four teams and covered three divisions. That's right. In the West, the AFC West, I already hit on Kansas City. Really don't have to say much there. Top flight offense, top flight coach, top flight general manager. You got all your skills positions healthy. Revamped offensive line. I think you should worry a little bit about that. Orlando Brown, I don't know how great of a pass protector he's going to be, but there's enough good things there. They're going to get a playoff spot. I think it's going to be first. But Los Angeles Chargers are going to give them a run for their money. I like that Justin Herbert played as well as he did, and then they went out and got the offensive coordinator that they did um, from the New Orleans Saints. I think uh, Staley, high-level guy from everything that I've read and seen and heard, definitely think he's going to make game plans week to week that are conducive for the Chargers. And he's going to be able to at least slow down offensive offenses like Kansas City and Oakland, which are Las Vegas. Las Vegas has a good offense, but they're not going to be good enough on defense to really compete in this division. I think the Chargers, always good at cornerback, always good at safety, always figure it out on the defensive line and figure it out at linebacker. I think they improved on the offensive line, and I think they improved also at wide receiver and really have always had a really good receiver in uh, Keenan Allen. Like what I see out of Justin Herbert, they're going to take the second wild card. But the shocker, the shocker in the AFC and coming out of the West as well is the Denver Broncos. I believe that they can protect the football with Teddy Bridgewater. I believe that they can play well enough in the run game with the offensive line. But more than anything, they have all you need on defense. With Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, the linebackers they have, Four or five starting cornerbacks that are going to be really interchangeable pieces for Vic Fangio. I think this is going to be the shocker of the AFC. I think this is going to be the team that wins a lot of grudge matches. They don't score a lot of points, but they don't turn the ball over either. They're going to be the AFC team that I think shocks a lot of people. They're going to take the final wild card, and yes, two wild cards out of the AFC. Kansas City takes the first spot, Los Angeles and then Denver for the AFC Conference. Definitely with week one, game one, just a few evenings away. Yes, two evenings from now, we will be uh, tuning in to NBC, listen to Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth for the return of the NFL season. And it'll be down with the reigning Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, right next to... uh, George Steinbrenner Field, I've actually been there uh, for Yankee Spring Training, right next to each other. Um, Tampa Bay um, as two stadiums most. And I, I've kind of learned that, being from St. Louis, it's never been like that. Most cities actually put all their uh, stadiums right next to each other. I, mean, I know Philly does that. 
Uh, I know Seattle does that. Never knew that. St. Louis, they were all kind of spread out. They're in the downtown area. Uh, but Raymond James Stadium, Tom Brady hosting the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think Dallas does not stand a chance in this game. Yep. I, I mean, Dak Prescott, no reps in a game leading up to week one. But they're saying he's fully healthy and he's going to play. And I don't think a shoulder is in any poor condition. They were just taking extra caution with him coming off the leg. They don't want to push it. And I get all that. But that does not bode well when you're facing Tampa Bay, which is returning all 22 starters, offense and defense. You're in their house. It's game one. Everybody is fresh on both sides. And you got Tom Brady facing a vanilla cover three defense, which has some talent, also has some guys that really need to prove themselves and were uh, acquired for a very low cost and free agency from Dallas. That, I mean, they got a lot of patchwork guys on defense. And Tom Brady gets to face them week one. I think this has route written all over it. I, I don't see how Dallas wins this game. The only way I see it is, you know, it, are the Buccaneers in bad shape? Did they not condition it as much? Are they still riding high off the, the Super Bowl? I know I know that's kind of, you know, uh, uh, Bruce Arians' way is, you know, get out early, get your work in, go out, enjoy a happy hour. But Tom Brady's kind of changed the culture there a little bit. Apparently, he was on guys more than ever this year in the offseason, making sure that they were at the uh, the OTAs, making sure they were at the the voluntary seven-on-seven uh, passing uh, passing sessions down there in Florida. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. Th- I think this is an ugly game one, and I'm not talking ugly from the uh, from the quality of football. I think that's just going to be fine between Tampa Bay and uh, Dallas. I think they're offensively that Dak will be. You know, he, he won't look horrible, but he's he's definitely going to be out of sync. I, I don't think you're going to have any reason to worry. But th- this is really bad timing for this game. Th- th- you just I, Dallas absolutely will lose this game. I got the final score. I don't even have to wait until Thursday to see the rosters. I'm really confident in the score. 34 bucks, 10 points for the Dallas Cowboys. That's 34 to 10. It is an absolute rout at Raymond James Stadium. Appreciate everybody listening. That's episode 52 of the podcast. A lot of football to talk about. Uh, hope we hit on everything that you're thinking about. That's what I'm thinking about. Cowboys, Bucks, it ain't going to be close. Tigers over at Mizzou got a lot to prove. Uh, And yeah, those are your predictions for the playoffs. So write it down, put it in your phone, hold me to it. I got Carolina, I got Minnesota. uh, I got them as the sleepers along with Los Angeles and Denver in the AFC. Those are going to be the ones that are better than people expect. And Buffalo, I think, will fall along with Tennessee in the AFC. They're not going to make it this year. So write it down, hold me to it. If you got thoughts on it, at Pete4C on all social media. Give me your comments. Give me your thoughts. I'll read your thoughts right here on the show. If you want your voice on the show, 816-226-7483. I'll play it right here on the show, and uh, you'll get your chance to clap back. We're going to be doing this again, likely on Monday. Uh, there's going to be a lot of action on Sunday. I'm going to have all thoughts, all the takes uh, to react to that. Probably won't get in the Monday night game. I got my little pooch. And my better half in the house, and I want them to uh, to get to bed early. Ms. Maisie and Ms. Taylor. So not going to include the Monday night game, but we'll have all the thoughts on the Sunday night game 
So go ahead if you got anything to say to me, 816-226-7483. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 52 of the podcast.